Hey, how's it going, everybody? You're listening to another episode of the Supermarcado Brothers Video Game Music Podcast. Another comfort food episode. My name is Carl Brueggemann. This is the podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. Uh, really exciting. It's been a number of years since we've long done time. an episode spotlighting on the Gonbar Goemon series. Or the Mystical really Ninja our, series, same thing. Yeah, this is one of our favorite series of uh, video games when it comes to the music. There's so yeah. many excellent titles that span multiple generations, and we're doing sort of a dual spotlight today. Yeah, this is uh, focusing on the two titles in the series that were released for the Nintendo 64. We have Mystical Ninja starring Goemon, which came out in 1997, and then we have Goemon's Great Adventure, which came out in 1998. Some of the same composers um, worked, definitely the same team worked on it, and had a very singular vision for the music. It's coming up on a on seven years um, since we did that Ganbar Ganbare Goemon episode. That was episode 70 in July of 2013. So it's long overdue. Um, I think a long time ago we talked about doing a revisited where we would, you know, take that exact playlist and, and kind of give our thoughts on it. But I thought this is a way to have, you know, entirely new content because there's quite a bit of tracks from both of these scores that were both um, featured on that episode, by the way, uh, that we have not yet played on the show. And it's just such feel-good comfort food. It's my happy place. <laughs> Carl, how would you describe the musical style of the Goemon series? I guess it's a little bit hard to describe, but I would say the starting point is very relaxing, calming, uh, Japanese folk music mixed with J-pop. But every once in a while, it's also mixed with uh, maybe, I guess, a more kind of funky, jazzy sound as well. And so all of that combining together. But I think the most, the strongest element is definitely that traditional Japanese kind of folk music sound. Yeah, so a lot of melodies that are pentatonic in nature, again, if you want to think of, uh, the pentatonic scale can easily be found by just playing the black notes on a piano. It's a five-note scale, and so it's the most simple universal scale there is. It's the, um, the root the second, the third, the f- fifth, and the sixth scale degree. Mm-hmm. And um, it's one of the most elemental things in all of music around the world. So many different cultures independently have sort of discovered and originated and utilized this five-note scale. So that's why so much of our popular music, so much of our folk music um, in almost any tradition around the world is built around these pentatonic scales. For it's sure. very primal it's very a lot of melodies that use pentatonic sound maybe earthy or of the people because Mm -hmm. it's almost the most universal thing that we have in music there's a great video uh that was kind of popular a number of years ago the bobby uh, mcferrin which bobby mcferrin yeah he did this like ted talk where he sort of proved the universality of the pentatonic scale by getting this audience of not trained musicians but it's really cool you should check it out where he's a great video sings a pitch and points to a a spot and then hops and then proves that you know after the third when he jumps a space rather than going to the fourth they all go to the fifth and no and also the sixth when they go down from the one too they do that which is wild it's absolutely it's so cool yeah it's a great video so another reason why we wanted to do this duo spotlight is one thing that we've loved for years about these two scores is they really push the n64 hardware they sound so good 
Um, just really nice production for the 64. One thing that I want you guys to listen out for today, something that is prevalent in the whole series, is the bass writing. Um, really funky bass. Uh, and, and what's cool about these two 64 scores is very present in the mix, which I really like. So let's enjoy some funky and feel-good music today. What you guys heard playing in was Sogin Town. And that is, again, from Mystical Ninja starring Goemon. And we're starting the episode off, the first half of the episode, with that score. So let's keep rolling. The next one we're going to play today is called Oedo Town First Start. And this game was composed by Shigeru Araki, Kato Yosuke, Saiko Miki, and Yasumasa Kitagawa. Here we go. So delightful. If you guys are not familiar with the series, this gives you a little indication of the vibe we're going to get today. This is Oedo Town, first start from Mystical Ninja for the 64. And uh, this whole series um, revolves around the main character, Goemon, who is loosely based on Ishikawa Goemon, who is uh, this kind of archetypal character of Japanese folklore. It's a Konami series. So these are great Konami composers. Um, One thing that I noticed is some of the composers that worked in the series would also go on to work in the GQU Powerful Pro Yaku series as well. And so maybe we'll hear a little bit of crossover in style. uh, That is really cool. Really cool piece. This piece of music seems so prototypical um, not necessarily for the series, but for Japanese video game music in general. What's interesting about this one, and we talked about that there would be a lot of Japanese uh, musical influence, like folk music influence, but this is mm-hmm. a track where that's not really the case at all, um, whether it comes to the instrumentation, the style, the m- melodic approach. Yep. Um, yet this is a track that feels, at least from my perspective, unmistakably Japanese, but it's in the sort of idiom of 80s 90s uh japanese video game music yeah. which uh is it's so cute crossover between lots of different genres when we talk about certain stylistic things but for me it's this chord progression mm-hmm. it's a progression that we've heard uh time and time again this um, happy that plucky kind of descending <laughs> bass progression in the b section that maybe reminds us of certain credits Pieces. Well, it's and just one of the most the use of that primary like rhythm sound. changes. Bump, bump, ba-dum, yeah. bump, ba-dum, bump, ba-dum, bump, it's great ba-dum. for the start of a video game. You know, whether you're on Yoshi's Island or Oedo Town, it doesn't really matter. It's just <laughs> a really innocent, happy, joyous start. And that's what we're hearing. And this track is literally called Oedo Town First Start. And so it makes a lot of sense to have this vibe. Um, yeah. And, and there's one side of this series, particularly these 64 tracks, um, uh, soundtracks have a lot of them is a really chilled laid back quasi reggae groove 
with this kind of pop and sometimes folk like melody we're going to get plenty of that today and that that's one of my favorite sides this one doesn't quite go there but it's getting close to that um all right let's move on to a classic this is called transformed oedo castle and um, one of the versions that I have of the soundtrack divides this into three parts. And so it's possible that in the game it's dynamic and it, it changes between the different parts. What you'll hear is, is at first um, there's not like a drum kit. And then eventually once it, I guess, loops the idea, then the, the drums come in, which, which is very exciting. Let's take a listen to Transformed Oedo Castle. so good it's a great progression it's super catchy i love when the drums come in there awesome bass sound uh implementation and writing really really catchy track this is transformed oedo castle beautiful uh this captures i think so much of what we love about the mystical ninja games um it's so signature that blending of the traditional with the more pop sound which is something that's not unique to this series it's sort of a tradition, um, I think, in the later part of the 20th century in Japan. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of music in different anime, in film music, in video games, and even in uh, Japanese classical music. Um, sort of like composers that adopt certain things of the Western classical tradition with the traditional folk elements. So there is sort of um, this idiom, I guess, of taking... Uh, melodic and certain instrumental characters from Japanese folk music, yet harmonizing it in a way that feels like pop music or feels like jazz. It's crazy how natural and it feels. Um, when I listened to this for the first time, this the music of the series, it was so familiar and comforting to me. Right. And when I actually thought a little bit more about it, it is a little bit more surprising the, the elements that come together to feel natural it's actually, you know, quite a bit more ingredients than you might you might realize because the, the full result right. is such a comforting, you know, pie. Well, because I think we're accustomed to hearing these kinds of, um, I don't want to say simple, but like restrained melodies that oh, are I would built say on pretty either simple, yeah. um, pentatonic scales, but also these kinds of melodic decorative phrases that it's almost like when you hear music that's imitating, you know, old classical music, either mm-hmm. the Baroque or classical period, and you hear, you know, you hear those kind of ornamentations, um, they might be called. And this, yeah, 
yeah. that, that particular melodic line is meant to capture almost a, a cliche in folk music, but blending that with some of these chord changes that are a little bit jazzier, jazz fusion in nature, particularly that moment when it lands on what you might consider, you know, the tritone sub or the flat two major chord. Um, and so hearing those pentatonic melodies that maybe evoke uh, Japanese folk music from hundreds of years in the past, yet with this definitely, you know, 20th century jazz, funk, pop kind of production yeah. and chord vocabulary. For whatever reason, those two things blend together in such a natural way, um, oh, almost crazy. more so than a lot of other folk music languages, yeah, whether I agree. it's European folk music, other Asian folk music, any kind of folk music around the world. For whatever reason, I feel like Japanese folk music blends with those other styles so seamlessly using the pentatonic scale it's kind of forcing these melodies to be simple and primal and they're actually focusing a little bit more on catchy rhythms because they don't have to worry so much about the note choice and so these melodies are so catchy and work so well with these strong grooves and when you combine it with a little more of that modern funk kind of rhythm section it's just such a great the other mix. thing that we we have to mention is that this particular use of the pentatonic scale much like a lot of the music that we'll hear is the minor pentatonic scale, right. which is another thing that to me has almost sort of a, a Japanese sound to it mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, because you're hearing this, you know, pentatonic melody, yet it's not that sort of um, goofy, not that it's like major is goofy or optimistic, but there's still a little bit of like sadness, there's a little bit of seriousness to it. Yeah, that's a great um, that point. I, just, I love the sound of the minor pentatonic. It's so effective. Well, let's move on to an absolute classic. Whenever I hear this track, it brings me back to the first year we were at MAGFest in the hotel room coming up with our playlist for our second greatest hits episode. This was one of the ones that made that episode. It's a classic for me. Very nostalgic and feel good. This is Yamato. God, I love it. Love the melody. When I heard this, I was just instantly in love <laughs> at first listen. This is Yamato from Mystical Ninja, starring Goemon. I'll give the composers one more time for this game. We have Shigeru Iraki, Kato Yasuke, Saiko Miki, and Yasumasa Kitagawa. Yeah, this one is so cute and innocent, and the melody is really catchy, and the groove feels so good. It's pretty short and pretty simple. Um, yeah, this is a great defense for music that is simple and I guess trying to be relaxing and maybe easy listening music. It's so easy to write off, but 
It's not easy to make a piece that is this timeless and, and just hits you with the happiness in such a strong way. I mean, right. it, there's not a lot of pieces that, that make me as happy as this, and so it's not easy to achieve. Yeah, it also has one of my favorite things that a melody can do is when the opening series of notes is really specific, carefully chosen, and really memorable. And and it has this beautiful soaring ascent. Yeah. That actually, if you orchestrated that, that would be a gorgeous little string passage there. It's a beautiful right. melody. And and it's so, again, it's so easy to dismiss because of the plucky kind of public domain, I guess, cheesy groove that's happening here. Um, there's a lot of people that when they listen to this series, I could see them being like, oh, this is kind of, you know, right. saccharine or cheesy or whatever. But oh right, my but God, I do so think good. a lot of people are... Um, I, they're not listening to the depth in the music. They're listening to the surface level elements. But I think yes. what I so love about so many Japanese composers, and I think you could say almost any time that someone marries kind of a folk tradition into a more modern package, there is inherently a depth to that because there's a history mm -hmm. and there's sort of a common grammar. That's so true, um, man. And so what I love about a melody like this is there is a seriousness to it. Like if you were to play this melody without the sort of swung groove, there <laughs> without would the be... syncopation, yeah. Well, yeah, there, the, those particular pitches have a pain to it, have a seriousness. And we use this word all the time that something is earnest. Um, but I, th I think what we mean by that is that it's not the if you separate the melody and harmony from the rhythmic and production elements, there really is almost kind of a cognitive dissonance at play that mm -hmm. it's like something might be very serious and capturing genuine emotional experience. Um, yet it's almost softened by the groove and it's made more complex by it's not it's every aspect of the music isn't reinforcing the like positive sunshiny good time right and it actually makes it more enjoyable and it makes it feel it's more like interesting something in real life and, and I will say that that is a there's so many great examples of that in Legend of the Mystical Ninja for the Super NES which came out in 1991 that right. is a really interesting score because you have just as many kind of poppy sunshiny innocent tracks in that but then you have some ones that are really a little more dark and challenging and i love the combination we'll get some of that today don't worry guys we'll have a lot of variety actually today let's move on uh this is one that i didn't remember it's, we've def definitely never played it um it's a nice change of pace this is called theme of the son of the dragon god also known as koryuta here we go Interesting piece of music. Love that intro. Very beautiful. Interesting progression here in bass writing. Um, this one has a kind of a nice fretless bass sound. And again, uh, this is all samples on the 64. And one of the tough things about the 64 is that 
the more uh, space that these samples took up, it actually did affect the performance of the game because it had to share one CPU for everything. And so it really is impressive that they were able to get this, uh, you know, samples that sound this good. But yeah, this is Theme of the Son of the Dragon God. A nice little change of pace there. Yeah, this uh, this track, I think, also could sort of fit into the discussion that we were having um, of mixture of elements and a little bit of depth of emotion. Especially and that I intro, guess, right? Yeah, I want to be clear. When I'm saying that, I'm not saying that like something needs to be really complex or chromatic in order to have um, value or emotional weight to it. But I right. guess what I'm talking about is I, I think a lot of people listen to music on a surface level. They hear the groove, they hear maybe the instruments or the general, whether it's major or minor, and they make a lot of their assumptions about the mood of the music or the sophistication of the music by purely um, surface level analysis. And, you know, there's some merit to that, but I think mm. um, what I'm trying to talk about here is that some of my favorite music and so much video game music is constantly this balance and it's this balance yeah. between happiness and sadness of heartbreak pain and also joy and euphoria and it's what i love about so many japanese composers because one piece of music can capture so much about the human experience well we talked and about it recently something feels more genuine i think it's that balance that you're talking about is what makes it more captivating to listen to right. and i think if you didn't have that balance it, it wouldn't affect us in the same way. And it, when you think about it, there's a lot of people that might laugh that, oh, we're taking this much time for, for the music of this series. They might think it's just silly and, and cheesy or whatever. But I think it's because it does have that balance. There's something really captivating about it. And this next track we're moving to is such a strong example of that, of that old and new, the happy, sad, uh, the modern and the old. Uh, you're going to hear definitely some modern elements, such as maybe some kind of more analog synth sounds, maybe bordering on some electronic rhythm section elements, but definitely also some some pop and some even folk, traditional folk elements too. So right. it's a really cool combination. Well, to me, I equate it, it's kind of like a movie that is just like a fun popcorn action movie, mm -hmm. yet in the midst of it, there's like a sweet relationship between a parent and a child. It's like it's like that where it's like, yeah, you can write it off as just because there's action and shooting, but there's actually a little bit more depth to it. It isn't just yeah. the fight choreography. There's like there's human relationships. There's happiness, that's sadness, what, that's humor. That's what really brings you back. It's like a full, when you want, to me, a great movie has a little bit of everything. There's some moments where I'm laughing. There's maybe some moments when I'm crying. There, mm -hmm. uh, there's moments when I'm invested, but it isn't just one note. And I think so much... Video game music that comes Definitely out of Japan has series. that kind of full <laughs> diet for me, at least, of all the emotions. Well, let's let's take a listen to the balance of this track. It's Compira Mountain.
such a good piece of music. There's so many strong examples of this in both of these scores of such an effective and efficient arrangement. There's not a lot of elements, but everything is in its right place in working together these interlocking puzzle pieces. The groove is so strong in almost all of this music. Melodies, very catchy, great rhythms, just really feel good. It, it's music that instantly hooks you. I remember when I was listening through the series to prepare for that episode 70, I was just blown away time after time after time, just really hooked immediately by this music. I, I love Compere Mountain. Yeah, it's really cool. It's this interesting mixture of uh, what now feels like sort of retro synth, almost yeah. techno. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, with some of these same Asiatic folk elements. I just love um, but it. It's like, it, it's very loosely those things. I mean, th- this isn't like trying to be some accurate depiction of folk music. No. It's just sort of using that idiom. Um, in a very stylized, in a very surreal way. And I think it's like, it fits with the tone of the game. These games do not take themselves super seriously, yet they're they're loosely based on this folk character. So yeah. I think the character the music, of this music is perfect. Yeah, the music matches that perfectly. What happens, the effect that these composers create for the series is they do make their own musical genre. You know, yes, you right. can link, you can think about, oh, what is it? originated from and everything like that but at the end of the day it's just mystical ninja it's its own thing kind of like you know funk if you trace the origins oh it's a combination of you know blues and jazz and all these other things right but at the end of the day it's also its own thing too that's a good point i mean these melodies are also just really strong and uniquely (laughs) memorable they are um but but speaking to what you were just talking about that kind of like they create their own styles it's it's sort of like uh emma and i've been re-watching one of our favorite shows uh, avatar the last airbender yeah um and a cool thing about that show and sort of its offshoot is you know it borrows a lot of influence from uh anime and also different kind of like martial arts um forms and what's cool is as the technology in that world sort of advances it it sort of it does this really cool thing where it's almost like imagine if you know new york city rather than being in america were in like china and so yeah, it's you, a cool you have idea. like these these advancements in technology automobiles and machines yet they all have um, architectural styles that are borrowed from more of an Asian-centric thing. It and reminds that's kind me of, of like this music. It's like, imagine if funk and techno came out of Japan, you know, and it is kind of built on the this kind of folk music as opposed to coming from the West. And it's, it's an alternate really reality cool that blending. I'm so on board for. Well, guys, this is an absolute classic for the podcast. Um, I remember <laughs> the first thing that was so funny is Will couldn't get over the title of this. This is festival temple castle which could each be its own thing but no we're going to jam them all together again for mystical ninja starring goemon and this one brings the funk and brings the party let's take a listen
Oh my god, that is delectable. Another great example of such a solid arrangement. Every single element is adding to the funkiness. Uh, great puzzle pieces coming together. I love the muted, funky guitar that's panned to the left. Really funky organ playing. Great bass as well. Catchy melody. This is Festival Temple Castle, a good example of the Western influence that is very present in this series. Um, a strong funk and jazz presence. Uh, not in every piece of music, but it pops up once in a while. This is really fun. Yeah, this is great. God, I love the kind of the grit and the um, just kind of pure energy of that organ. It really feels performed. Yeah, it does. Um, which is, These I samples think, a are cool great for the 64. Oh my god. Yeah, and also the just the writing is, is pretty authentic. I love the syncopation. I love the certain specific chord voicings. They feel like totally on point and very idiomatic. This is one that has almost no kind of folk elements <laughs> no, or not influence at all. to it. But it's just so groovy and so fun, you just don't well, even care. One, one way they're able to separate um, from some of the more folky or traditional pieces is with the use of swing, too. I mean, this one is very, very hard uh, swung. Um, Another thing, this is a piece of music that I think could fit in the Powerful Pro series. Uh, the good use call. of that electric organ you can feels tell like it's something the same, that you some might of the hear same people, in like a baseball huh? game. Man, yeah. that is a solid... Classic track for me. Reminds me of the old days of the pod. Let's move on to another piece that we have never played on the podcast. This one has a funny title, too. It's Gourmet Submarine Castle, Part 3. (laughs) Here we go. Holy moly, that is funky and so catchy. You guys are listening to Gourmet Submarine Castle, Part 3. Only in video games would you ever get this wonderful and quirky mixture of influences and sounds coming together to create such a delightful experience. I love this track, and it's not one that I necessarily remembered. I was going back listening to all of, uh, you know, the entirety of these scores, and I was like, oh, I... Maybe I remember this from years ago, but this is an absolute banger. This is probably one of my favorites on uh, Mystical Ninja. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I want to extend a little bit of an olive branch because I imagine there are some people listening to this and maybe this music isn't quite for them. Maybe it feels a little bit too, you know, saccharine or over the top. But yeah. I guess what I'd really like to encourage anyone that's feeling that way is to try to listen to, try to figure out and be able to articulate what about this Um, maybe is annoying or do you not like and Mm -hmm. try to realize that there's a lot more happening beyond those elements like I imagine some people maybe don't like some of the instrument choices or or like the or just the high energy 
Um, yet there is so much more to listen to here. I really like. Yeah, there's well, a little. There's a nice balance of chromaticism with the chord progression. Certain kind of borrowed chords. Yeah, and uh, in general, like this is a really catchy melody, and I think you could probably rearrange this you know and it would sound like sort of a classic nes or game boy oh i agree man if you took away some of the instruments that are maybe influencing the style yeah so definitely listen listen to that again if you if you want to go back and re-listen to this another thing you should you guys should listen out for in this track listen to the organ playing and the bass playing some really intricate funky organ playing that you might not expect well, and, and that not you might not playing notice. but um well right implementation sound uh, it, it yeah. sounds like playing yeah just really really cool unique piece of music i love that all right this is the last track of the day from mystical ninja starring goemon before we move on to the second title of the day this one has a, a similarly goofy title it's gorgeous musical castle part two a standout piece of music whoever composed this uh, really wanted to go in a different direction maybe the developers wanted something different it doesn't sound anything like the mystical ninja series it sounds like straight up jazz fusion rock kind of 80s fusion uh this is right up our boy carlos's alley uh, i know he's enjoying this this is gorgeous musical castle part two and I really love that they went for this more rock fusion sound. I mean, those guitar samples are pretty adorable on the 64, but they did a bang-up job on this. Yeah, I also love the kind of quartal harmony that's happening here. The Me too. fourth bass kind of non-diatonic chords that you hear with all the sort of parallel movement. That's something that a lot of Japanese composers I love really the like meter changes on that last section, too. Some nice, yeah. some nice surprising moments in this track. It's longer yeah, than it, you expect. It's, it's interesting. A lot of, uh, I feel like, fusion that influenced the harmonic language of uh, Japanese video game composers tends to be that language of stacked fourths and fifths. Like, even the opening of this, it uses this it really out there voicing that's just a series of stacked fifths, and it's this very bright, shimmery sound. Um... You know, bum, it really bum, is. Bum, bum, mm-hmm. That kind of sound. Um, and all of that together has a really bright, a, a non diatonic kind of feeling, which is really neat. 
Well, guys, I could not be more ready and excited to move on to the second title of the day. Goemon's Great Adventure might be personally my favorite score in the series. It's incredibly nostalgic for me. And it should be mentioned that I never grew up playing these games. The first time I really heard any of the music was the week before preparing for that (laughs) episode 70. And it's just that good. Uh, This track is exactly what I was talking about earlier that really chilled, laid-back, quasi-reggae groove mixed with that traditional sound. It's, it's so good, and it makes me so happy. This is Even Dogs Get Lost Walking in This Town. that doesn't put a smile on your face i don't know what to say this is even dogs get lost walking in this town i love this music so much it's from goemon's great adventure and mystical ninja sounded great i think this sounds even better they even up the ante with the the quality of the samples in this score the composers working on this game are hirotaka kurita nubiyuki akina as well as Shigeru Araki, who worked on Mystical Ninja as well. Um, yeah, there's so many things I want to say about this. You have this a little bit of this reggae groove, but it's swung, which is really cool. And the instrument that's doing the upbeats is this traditional Japanese instrument. There's some funk influence with the, the bass, I guess, how funky it is. Very simple pentatonic melody. Uh, great writing. It's just... yeah. A great, great writing and, and great arrangement. Sugary. It's just honey. This would be perfect for like the Japanese version of Sesame Street um, because it's so accessible. It's really sunshiny and pure. And the arrangement is so strong. I really love the little percussion elements that in general, the groove feels like more of like a Western element, but it's yeah. constructed through more traditional Japanese instruments, which is just, there's lots of little details that are charming and interesting to note. Um, There's a lot of imagination in a piece of music like this, but uh, fundamentally it's just really beautifully written, very catchy. And yeah, it does put you in a good mood. Yeah, it's just adorable too. It's a pentatonic melody, but it, it feels thoughtfully written. It feels kind of honest and it's not overly notey there is an economy mm-hmm. of, of yeah it almost kind of reminds me of what koji was doing in shin onigashima uh this could kind of definitely fit in that world too yeah and we said so that simple, before that so the mystical cute. ninja series reminds us a lot of shin onigashima and yeah you know that i think that's because that style like we were saying earlier is kind of an existing idiom in japan of blending folk music with more modern genres and styles and i think that's just such a it it fits really well um in this case and yeah i think shinonagashima does as well i agree well guys let's move on to this week's track of the week (laughs) 
This is Burning My Soul, Edo Castle, and another really great example of this mixture that we're talking about today. It's just an instantly hooky piece of music. It's one of my favorites in the whole series. Let's take a listen to Burning My Soul. You guys are listening to Burning My Soul, Edo Castle, from Goemon's Great Adventure, composed by Kurita, Akina, and Araki. This, if I had to show someone one piece of music from the series, this would probably be it. There's so many things I love about it. The bass is in-your-face, funky, frantic. Love the, the groove and the rhythm section. Love the interactive writing. A lot of these shimmering, twinkle colors great melody a lot of interesting sections to this piece of music it's very expansive and at the end of the day it's just fun and catchy well i also love the sort of breakbeat drum feeling it's like really works Isn't well that and so there's cool. so there's so much active stuff happening it's very busy um, between yeah it, 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 i also love that yeah. that kind of general <laughs> vibe of what's happening with those kodos. It's this track um is kind of an embarrassment of riches in a way because there's so many little elements in this track that are ridiculously hooky. Um, I think like the groove is very hooky. The melody, forget about it, so hooky. Even some of those right. arpeggios, like any one of those elements, if you would just take those and put them in a different song, that would be like, oh, that makes that song better. And it has yeah. all of them in one song. Yeah, totally. And I, I yeah, I love just the active nature between the more long line melody and the really active frenetic what's a substitute for kind of like lead guitar lines with yeah. those Kodo samples and just rhythmically everything fits together. It's catchy. This is a, a another prototypical example of a piece of music in the Mystical Ninja series because we have that folk influence, yet we have something that's really catchy, groovy, and a little bit dancey. Um, and I, yeah. I think the the whole is greater than the sum of its parts, yet there's a lot of detail um, under the hood. It, it, I think mm-hmm. this is something that 
I can understand people that listen to this and maybe it, it feels cliche the way that it, it uses some of the folk elements, but I think it's very knowing about that. I don't get the sense that this is anything that was lazily done, especially for composers living in Japan that would be saturated and inundated with a lot of these cliches. Mm-hmm. I think it's almost like if you were using, I don't know, certain old like vaudeville you know, cliches or old songwriting cliches, yet combining it with more modern production. There's yeah. a there's a humor and there's a self awareness to it of kind of heightening totally. some of these little melodic devices. So I, I think all of that stuff is intentional, yet it's also done honestly with a lot of love. I feel like there's yeah. a, a reverence for the the folk music and a reverence for all the styles that it's sort of sending up, as well as just being fun and, and there's imaginative. Just this yeah. unbridled excitement that I'm hearing from these composers I mean if they didn't if they weren't having a blast they were hiding it well because it sounds like they're all having a blast yeah let's move on uh, to the next track we're gonna play from this game this is a piece called Bismaru's Ambition This is so good. You guys are listening to Bismaru's Ambition, a really nice change of pace. Pretty funny piece of music uh, is like as far as how the how the implementation is working here to convey this kind of uh, classical gypsy jazz sound. Um, it, it's an it's an interesting mixture, but yeah, the samples are pretty adorable here. I, I like this track a lot. Yeah, I do too. It's it, This is one that definitely evokes humor. There's it something does. funny about those portamento slides. And I don't know how much of that is intentional, but the overall character of this, this sort of devious minor key, qual- has, a, it has like a knowing uh, humor to it, I feel. Yeah, I think so. I think it was intentional, personally. And even the, the kind of right at the very offset that like yeah. the almost mechanical nature of some of those samples it's it's really but funny. actually pretty good writing in that i guess violin <laughs> part like if you heard that with an actual solo violinist i think that would be that would be pretty entertaining this i, I like this track it, it's a nice change of pace definitely some humor there's a lot of humor in the series true that let's move on to another classic chilled out um this is the side that I love of these two scores so much. Uh, it's one of my favorites. It's called Kappa Traveling in Roaming Road. And again, I want you guys to listen out for not maybe the obvious elements. I want you to specifically listen to the bass writing in this and how it works to add to the groove and interact with things like the melody. I love this track. Let's take a listen.
I'm just in love. I'm absolutely in love. <laughs> Kappa traveling and roaming road. Yes. A big bowl of yes. <laughs> I feel like Jeff Garland or something. But yeah, yeah, this, yeah, Jeff Garland. This is just so delightful. I really want to play this in the band. A big bowl um, of delightful. I want to play this so much. I would love to hear Marty funk this up on the bass. Uh, it's just, <laughs> it's so cute and also cool. We should cool. do a, a Goemon track. I would for, be so um, down. It's The thing about man. this music is If it's, we ever get to play music together again. Oh, yes, we will. It's cute, but it's also cool. And, and what I love about this particular piece of music is that combination. Listen to that bass. It's one of the funkiest boom, but a lot of really great muting, syncopation, it's adding so much to a fairly simple groove to make it mm-hmm. very interesting. That's a good point. Yeah, it's a common thread. I think so many video games have really interesting uh, electric bass or just <laughs> bass writing in general. It was something we were talking about on the NES that yeah. you know, when you have a limitation of voices, the bass has to carry so many elements of the groove. And it's Yeah, I, I do believe that strong active interesting bass writing is one of the most signature and important parts of the video game tradition yeah and of kind of the the sound and style of game music because i think back in the day that bass channel had to imply a lot of the harmonic information and a lot of the groove information it had to take Mm -hmm. the place of kind of a kick drum snare drum bass and just the entire rhythm section all in one yeah um so we have a lot of active writing and they're also taking advantage of the fact that it isn't a real performer and it doesn't have to be performed so you can have these active bass lines that would need to be performed by kind of a virtuoso to be fully realized yet because a lot of it is synth or using samples like this is you can kind of get away with it something that's a little bit more of like a a keyboard composed bass line yet it still mm-hmm. feels really funky it's not like it's inauthentic it's just a lot more active than your typical bassist would probably choose to do for sure yeah that's that's a great point man let's move on to uh <laughs> an interesting title this is re-seeing so if you didn't understand what i said it's r-e-s-e-e-i-n-g re-seeing here we go You guys are listening to Re-Seeing, and one thing that I love um, about this series, and we've heard it multiple times today, I think it's so important when you're going for music this cutesy and this simple in a lot of ways, 
one thing you can do to add a little bit of surprise is whenever they modulate briefly or uh, incorporate borrowed chords. It's it's really important and it's really effective how these composers choose to do that here. Because you have something like this, a very simple pentatonic melody, it's it's very possible for something like this to get samey or to get boring. True. And so I think when they inject it with a little bit of that kind of, like I said, modulation or surprising chords or even maybe a surprising little chromatic flourish, uh, mm-hmm. it, it's so important. Yeah, that's a good point. We're coming up on a lot of the same themes, I think, in this episode of kind of stuff that we're calling out. Mm -hmm. And it seems to be focusing on uh, depth and focusing on elements in the music that go beyond sort of the surface level analysis. And I think it's uh, an important discussion because I think so much classic and so much retro video game music needs that kind of analysis to be fully appreciated. Um, yeah, I agree. I think a lot of people could just listen to this and have it in the background and enjoy it. But I guess I mean it's easy to dismiss because it's so easy to enjoy. Um, and it's something that we come back to time and time again on this podcast is that there needs to be uh, a differentiation between how easy and accessible something is to experience versus how easy something is to craft or create. And oftentimes, not always, we see sort of an, at least I've experienced sort of an inverse relationship. It's easy to make something complex that doesn't make any sense. And it's very difficult to make something that feels natural and inevitable. Now, obviously, yeah. you can quibble about details there, but I think there's a lot of truth to that very simplistic statement. <laughs> um, and I think if I had to pick a side, I definitely would side more with that being the case than that something simple and easy to enjoy is simple to create and something complex in cerebral is complex mm. and cerebral to create. I yeah. think that's more of a fallacy in my I agree. Opinion. Well, this is a really exciting piece of music. It's another one of those uh, tracks that incorporates that kind of modern breakbeat sound with obviously the traditional sound too. So th- this one's one of my favorites. Let's take a listen to Daily Life on Turtleback. is fun you guys listening to daily life on turtleback so exciting one of the most energetic pieces on either of these two scores um it's another one that incorporates a little bit of that modern electronic influence with the breakbeat and even with the bass ding 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 kind of one thing you hear in a lot of dance music of the 90s is uh, the synth bass playing exclusively on upbeats this track it's not just upbeats but it's heavily relying on upbeats. So imagine you have uh, the drums, which is very downbeat oriented, right? The bass is going to be... And that kind of combination of the kick drum being on the downs and the bass actually being on the ups is, is one of the things that gives a lot of dance music 
a, a groove and a syncopation and a funkiness to it, I guess. Right. And it's also that feeling of sidechain compression that exactly. I think they're trying to recreate through the arrangement here, which is uh, essentially in music when the kick drum becomes the predominant element and everything else comes down in volume so that every yeah. single kick drum feels really weighty in full. They, they're not able to use sidechain compression on the <laughs> N64, but I think they're trying to create that feeling of dance they do a great job. club music through the rest of the arrangement, which, yeah, I think that's a great solution by having the electric bass samples not hit at the same time as the kick drum. Mm-hmm. It actually um, emphasizes those beats a little bit stronger because it's unencumbered and it's similar to, you know, if you were doing a modern production, you'd probably put a side chain on the bass so that whenever the kick drum hits, it gets kicked down. Well, yeah, one thing I also hear sometimes is they might have bass notes on the downbeats, but they're going to be lower and they're going to be softer so that the upbeats are higher, which are automatically going to ring out a little bit more and louder. So the bass line might be something like this. And so those higher notes are really going to, you know, you're going to hear those very clearly. That is a cool track. Let's move on. The next piece we're going to play is called (laughs) Grotesque Village. Here we go. So good. You guys listening to Grotesque Village, and it's actually a really nice contrast to a lot of the music in these two scores because it's actually quite dark and menacing, but the groove is not. The groove is very reminiscent of other tracks we've heard, really kind of simple, happy tracks, even something such as that Even Dogs Get Lost track, except now we're hearing it with darker chords. And again, a great example, there's this one chord um, that happens. It's like the end of the first half of the of the mm-hmm. form. Um, it's this really interesting borrowed chord that, yeah, that it's really that makes sort of tritone sub half step resolution yes. from above that has a little bit of darkness. There's something a yeah. little threatening about it. It's because spicy. It's, it's outside of the key. But again, because the groove is so simple and slow and relaxed. It's oh, it's such an effective uh, juxtaposition, and, and that borrowed chord actually gives the form uh, more mileage, and so you're not going to get sick of this fairly short piece of music. I, I don't know. It's just so effective, man. Right. And well, and it also the melody stays so diatonic, hitting a lot yeah. of these pentatonic notes that the the dissonance or complexity comes from the harmonic progression around the melody. Yeah, so and, and that's a just a way classic of keeping it ninja in the idiom. Technique. Yeah, it keeps it in the style that they've already established, yet it can impose just a degree of um, 
threat. It's not grotesque, as the name would suggest. Uh, it's not legitimately grotesque-sounding music. Right. Um, but it's it's kind of like the stylized, hyper-real version of that. Well, you brought up a really good point. And so much music that utilizes the pentatonic scale, whether it's with a melody or even like a guitar solo, it has to be said that harmonic wise what's happening 90 percent of the time is not just using the pentatonic scale so chords that are happening are going to be using major scale minor scale uh, chromatic uh, modulating between a lot more complex uh, group of notes <laughs> that'll be making up the chords but what is played on top of it will be more simple and in that well, and think- again you can change the context when you have a borrowed chord well, I think if you look at some of the the greatest song melodies, you will at least in from what I've discovered is that that's a common thread. Some of my favorite songwriters, some of my favorite songs have simple, singable, beautiful melodies, but are complemented by yeah. really rich harmony whether it's somebody like alan menken or anyone from the you know kind of classic american songbook um or even more modern examples there's so many people like i think it's one of the things that that the gorillas guy damon alburn he has really simple singable sometimes even static almost Mm -hmm. non-melodic uh, but so much lines, more going really on. Really interesting harmonically. stuff harmonically. Well, it's, 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 it's actually such a great. I find device, it a very humble and selfless quality. Um, anytime composers do that, because it, that's not something that the average person is ever going to notice. They're not going to notice the complexity in anything other than the main melody. And so you're able to make something feel comfortable and natural while actually under the hood having a lot of complexity, which is. Although they might not notice it and be able to articulate it, it's one of the reasons why they're right. going to be really affected by well, it. And even if it's not necessarily that like the m- melody is simple and the harmony is complex, sometimes it's like you have two simple elements, but when put together, there's complexity. Yeah. That's a, a lot of more modern pop music falls into that car- category where even if things are almost entirely diatonic, they'll intentionally have the m- melodic line be dissonant with a particular chord. Right. That's part of the sound of kind of what makes it feel modern mm-hmm. um, and so I think some of the most accessible and exciting parts of music come from when you have almost the budding heads <laughs> of two things whether they're both yeah. simple on their own and become complicated together or the duality of a simple thing with a complex and thing that's underneath. definitely present in this series because I'll just tell you right now if there wasn't that uh, whatever you want to say maybe like the darkness or the tension um, kind of you know yin and the yang uh, quality if it was just the happy if it was just the easy and the comforting I don't think we would be nearly as interested and captivated by the music of the series all right guys it's another absolute classic chilled out happy mystical ninja tune it's called worldly town
so good. You guys are listening to Worldly Town. One interesting choice in this track is uh, they actually went with electronic drum samples for this, which is actually quite rare. Um, most of the pieces have the, the more real-sounding acoustic drum kit samples, and so that was a nice way to add a little bit of contrast to this and give it definitely a different vibe. Uh, Baseline is as funky as ever here. Yeah, one thing that is interesting about listening to these two scores it's actually pretty amazing how consistent and cohesive they are to each other it could kind of feels like one score that we're listening to today and we did um we did have a lot of tracks like this very happy relaxing tracks and there's some other more um maybe kind of like underscore type tracks that we didn't include today that that maybe have a little bit more contrast and variety and so one thing i will say is if you guys want uh to hear the other sides of the score that we might not have had time to focus on today definitely uh listen to both of these scores um because they're they're really outstanding and there's a surprising amount of uh variety and diversity in them yeah this is just so classic and happy optimistic this is the sound of mystical ninja you know it's swung it's groovy has a wonderful active bass line and even though almost all of this music is in that same idiom it's restrained by the pentatonic scale it's restrained by the sort of japanese folk music melodic gestures every one of these tracks has its own kind of individual quality as well um there's there's something unique about it there's something Mm -hmm. specifically catchy about the melody and this is another example of that blending emotionally between a style and a groove that's infectious and happy and positive yet there's a bit of bittersweet there's a bit of melancholy to the progression Mm -hmm. to the melody itself too and that's one of my favorite things a piece of music can do Um, it's why I love ragtime so much because a lot of people dismiss ragtime and think like oh it's just one note it's just happy but I feel like so much ragtime a lot of sadness and melodic there's like some pain and some bittersweetness to it and i think it captures a big part of the experience for if you look into so many of the really tragic stories about a lot of the black composers that captures the originated that music it's like it captures some of the pain historically of what was going on and i don't think that part of it is focused on enough because people just like to listen to surface level things if it's fast if it's a fast march people are like oh it's just that if it's a slow dirge people think it's just that but music is more complex you have to dig deeper and hopefully we were able to, uh, you know, allow you guys to do that today. I was mistaken. There's one more track before the playout. So, yay, we have a little bit more. And this one is a really nice change of pace. And so I was talking about the variety. This is going to show that off. This kind of feels like it could even belong in the Castlevania series, at least harmonically. So let's keep that in mind. I love this track. It's called Underground Paradise Part 1.
so good. You guys are listening to Underground Paradise Part 1. You know what I'm talking about, Will, with some some Castlevania vibes on this one? Maybe GBA-era Castlevania. Oh, totally. Yeah, definitely Castlevania vibes. There's that sort of... Devious nature. Dissonant, you know, a lot of diminished chords, classical rock sound. But I love hearing these mystical ninja composers go for that, because it's, it's still... It still fits in Mystical Ninja. I mean, the bass line is incredibly funky. And again, you have these traditional Asiatic instruments playing these lines that typically you would hear with, uh, I guess, more like rock uh, or harpsichord type instruments. So it's it's a really interesting mixture. But yeah, I, I was really happy to include this because it's one of those pieces similar to that kind of rock fusion track where they were going for maybe like a different um, style or... Potentially, maybe even winking to, you know, fellow Konami series like like Castlevania. Oh, definitely, yeah. It is interesting. This is another one with a super active bass line. It's like now I that we've talked it. about that, I can't not notice it. Like the bass line. Oh, that's is my favorite so part. Fluid of the series. If like, I'm being so honest, squiggly. <laughs> I can't not focus on the bass. One thing I love about the for me the mixing of these two scores is how bass heavy they are. Some people might say that the bass is maybe a little too loud in the mix, but because I love it so much and because the parts are so good and exciting, oh, that's one reason why I love listening to the scores is you got bass in your face. Well, it almost needs to be loud because of how active it is. I noticed that when you listen to these tracks at a quiet volume, they sound really muddy because you can't really discern... I think it's just the nature of the disparity between how different frequencies travel and how we perceive them at different volumes. But like bass frequencies, I feel like sound a lot muddier at a quiet volume. Right. And so it's a lot harder to discern what the part is. And you just hear this kind of... That happens a lot with active bass So I kind of think that's why the bass is so loud. Because that's why you got to crank it up, It folks. cuts out and it makes it discernible. I hope you've been cranking it up for this whole episode. Well, guys, we're going to play you out with another classic, relaxing, adorable Ganbare Goemon track. It's called Sweet, Tasty, Delicious Water. Um, <laughs> and it's a very happy track to send you on your way. Um, I hope this is just what the doctor ordered. I know... It's such a really hard time right now for so many reasons. And so we were really craving another week of comfort food, relaxing, feel-good music. We're approaching the end of our season. Next week, we're going to be doing um, an original showcase episode, which we always have a blast. So look forward to that. Yeah. We're really excited as we approach the end of our season. And we have a really fun idea for our uh, season finale. It's funny. It's like maybe we shouldn't even consider seasons. But I do like breaking the episode, yeah. our se- our um, episodes into sort of like 25 chunks. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a nice way of kind of, I feel like, staying sane. And I, I enjoy some of the traditions that we have around that. Yeah, me too. Yeah, and also one thing that is going to be timed really well is um, that finale episode is going to be coming out on uh, Monday, June 22nd. And that week, the Friday of that week, June 26th, is going to be, I'm announcing this now, the release of my album Downforce. And so that's going to be a really exciting and fun week. And so we'll, me and Carlos will probably do some sort of a bonus um, episode um, around that time. So, so yeah, look forward to that June 26th. Yeah, I, I'm really, really excited for that album, for everyone to hear it. Me too. It's uh, You guys are going to love it. It's it's absolutely fantastic. 
Thanks, man. Well, we're going to play you out, like I said, with sweet, tasty, delicious water. That's a good idea. I should get some of that right now, some sweet, tasty, delicious water. All right. Will, anything you got at the end? I think that's it for me. I hope you guys have a great, safe, and loving week. Absolutely. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm Will Brueggemann. Have a good week, everybody. Peace out.